listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Nicole, welcome to Miscarriage Stories. I will let you take it away and share your story. Uh, thank you so much. I just want to say thank you for having me. Honestly, last year was one of the hardest years of my life and finding a platform that you had and like getting to find some research and having people share their stories because nobody like really knows what a miscarriage is unless you're like going through it and your everything that like your social media accounts and your podcast is just made me feel so much much less alone so I really appreciate like everything that you have done for the miscarriage world of course um, so my name is Nicole. Um, my husband and I have been together since we were 15 years old. Um, so we are kind of high school sweethearts, I guess. I just turned 30 last year. Um, I kind of always knew that we would have trouble getting pregnant. Um, we didn't really, I guess, use protection and we're the safest. So I kind of always thought that we never had that quote-unquote accident that um, something, you know, would come down the line. Um, I was in a really bad car accident when I was 21 that um, I almost died from, that I had a lot of internal injuries, and I have a lot of, like, rods and stuff in my legs, so they told me I could carry a baby. They just didn't know how I would carry a baby. If I would have, um, like, gestational diabetes, I have less than 20% of my pancreas, if it was going to be like a lot of pressure on my leg when the baby would grow. Um, So they weren't really sure how I was going to carry. They just kind of all said, we won't know until, you know, you try. Um, So me and my husband, we had tried for about a year. Um, We couldn't get pregnant. We did the whole home pregnancy kits, all that stuff really trying to track my husband was like this is becoming like a second job this isn't even like fun to do but um so I finally at eight months after trying I called a fertility clinic and by the time they would see me it would be the year mark anyways so I was like okay I'm just gonna make the appointment if we don't get pregnant then then you know obviously something's going on um we did all of the testing everything came back perfect on my end there was no reason why I couldn't get pregnant um on his end I actually had a doctor tell me I should like frame his sperm count because it was so high which is kind of like a sad because like okay obviously it's my fault then it's like his sperm is so high and like it's so great but um So they recommended us doing an IUI cycle. We could do a natural one or we could do it with medication. I chose that if we were going to do it, let's just go full in. So I wanted to do the medication. They put us on Clomid. Um, I had really bad reactions to Clomid. I actually got admitted into the hospital 
on our second round of um, IUI with Clomid, it made me so sick. Like I couldn't hold anything down. I was having crazy like panic attacks from it. <clears throat> um, it just was awful. So I told them like, I cannot do this again. So they switched me to Letrozole. So that was our third IUI. And we ended up getting my first ever positive pregnancy test, which was crazy. I was so happy about, um, I don't know. I, you always have that fear that like never having a positive pregnancy test, are you ever going to get it? Um, so I was just really happy. I never really had the fear of like miscarriage. It just, I don't know. I didn't know anyone really around me that had a miscarriage. So I, it just was never like a thought. I thought our hard journey was going to be the fertility. And then once we got there, we were going to be good. Um, we ended up having that baby who is now my two and a half year old daughter. Her journey was not the easiest. I was um, really sick with her. Up until 20 weeks, I lost 14 pounds. They were concerned with um, if I didn't start gaining weight, then to put me on um, something to like make me gain weight. She never really moved at all either. I have a scar from the top of um, my chest all the way down to like my pelvis. So I could never feel her move. So I was always getting like NST tests done. They even had to like zap her a couple times to like get her to move because she just would never show up on the testing. I actually had to go to the hospital a couple times to get put up, um, put on them to make sure um, that everything was okay. It always was, luckily. This unfortunately was um, during COVID. So my first pregnancy, um, I was probably, I think, 12 weeks when COVID hit. So they weren't sure if um, my husband was going to be able to go to the 20-week anatomy scan because of all the regulations and stuff. Luckily, he was. And Everything looked great. Um, we didn't find out the gender, so we waited until she was born to find out what she was. Um, I did have a little bit of a scary delivery. It was super fast in the sense that they told me to stop pushing because she was eight days early and just wanted to come out on her, I guess, trying to make her own entrance. Um, but she ends up being eight and a half pounds. Um, they were able to tell me to stop pushing. I pushed for less than 10 minutes. She came out great. Um, she did that pick or pick you team was in there um, because she had the cord wrapped around her neck, but she also had um, swallowed, is it meloconium? Uh, I believe that that's correct because now I'm on the spot that I can't remember it. Uh, yes, you're close. Uh, people are probably yeah. yelling the actual <laughs> word, but everybody knows what you're talking about. I would think <laughs> yeah. I'll put it in the show description. I'll put like word we're talking about at this minute mark. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what it's called, but she followed that to the XQ team was already in there because they weren't sure um, if she would have problems after that. Um, but luckily they were because the cord was wrapped around her neck. So I actually didn't get to hold her for a little bit. They actually took her to check her over and everything. 
but I was also bleeding um, a lot as well. So they had to give me a shot because she tore me so badly um, to get me to stop bleeding. Um, and I just remember my husband being there and I was like, go to her, go to her. Like he was just so worried about me, but I was like so worried about her, but um, everything, she was perfect. She was eight pounds, five ounces being eight days early. And um, we named her Mila for Miracle just because of everything that we had been through um, in Spanish and Miracle. So I, she was like our little miracle baby. Um, when she was about 10 months pregnant, when she was about 10 months old, I, um, I wanted to start trying because I knew how hard it was for us to get pregnant with her to begin with. So um, I had a lot of postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression after I had her, which people don't really talk about a lot. I didn't really know that it was a thing either. Um, I struggled really hard after having her, but um, so, but at 10 months old, I, when she was 10 months old, I started feeling, you know, more and more like myself. So I wanted to start trying. Um, we did four IUIs and I finally got a positive pregnancy test, but it turned out to be a chemical. Um, so unfortunately, like I saw the pregnancy test be positive for about two days. I honestly didn't even know what a chemical pregnancy was until I had one. Um, I had to research it. Um, I didn't even know, honestly, that it was a thing. Um, but I guess it's super common is what all the doctors kept telling me. So after the fourth IUI, I actually joined this Facebook group um, just through like fertility treatment, just because I feel like you don't know a lot about fertility treatment until like you're in that world. Like I don't know a lot of the meetings still and I've been in it since 2019, I guess. So um, I joined this group and the, the ladies were so amazing. They actually recommended um, me being asking for progesterone. So I asked to be put on progesterone with IUIs just because obviously we did four IUIs. They're not working. We're not getting pregnant. Can we switch something up? Um, my doctor believed that it's a placebo effect. She doesn't really believe in it. Um, so she didn't give it to me for our fifth IUI. That one failed. So after the sixth one, I was like, please, can I just try it? Like, what is the harm in just trying, switching it up a little bit? So she finally let me try the progesterone and we got pregnant again and I was super excited I had my daughter who um tell my husband with like this cute little um jean jacket I put big sister on the back and she was sleeping so when he went to pick her up he got to see like the big sister part of it and it just was so fun to um you know share that experience and our daughter was going to be a big sister um, so everything was, so the fertility clinic before COVID, they used to do um, betas. So they would do your blood draws twice to make sure that that was doubling. And then they would do an eight week ultrasound. And as long as baby looked good then, 
they would um, release you from the fertility clinic. Well, with this pregnancy, because of COVID, they wouldn't do anything. They said they got your pregnancy, you got your positive pregnancy test, talk to your OB doctor. So luckily I called my OB doctor and they were willing to do the beta draws, but not um, every two days. So they were doing it once a week. So, I mean, I was just thankful for anything. The numbers were rising appropriately. Um, everything looked great. They even did an eight week ultrasound. Baby looked perfect. They had a heartbeat. Um, so everything was looking great on that end. I unfortunately got COVID my whole family at nine weeks pregnant. Um, they, I was pretty sick for about a day with like a high fever and just not being able to move or anything. Um, they actually recommended me getting the mono, monoclonal antibodies, um, but it wouldn't be for two days. And I started feeling so much better that I um, was like, no, I'm not gonna get them. Like, I feel a lot better. In hindsight, I do regret not getting them. But um, so I was so scared about having COVID that we actually went to a private ultrasound um, place at, this was at 10 weeks a little over and everything looked great. Baby, I got to take Mila with us and my husband and the baby was yawning and like moving. And it was so cool for like Mila to experience getting to see um, the baby, like just, you know, being in there and moving a little bit. Um, and then I went to my first OB appointment and they were able to find the baby on the Doppler and the heartbeat, no problem. They were able to find it right away. Um, this was probably at 11 weeks. Um, they told me I could start announcing that, you know, we were pretty close to the 12 week mark, that if we wanted to, we could announce we were gonna be in the safe zone. Um, I didn't feel comfortable announcing right then. I wanted to wait right until the 12 week mark. So um, we did. They also recommended I start an aspirin at 12 week mark just because of having COVID at nine weeks. Um, at, when I was at the OB, I asked about when I could stop progesterone because my fertility clinic said I could stop it anywhere from 10 and 12 weeks. My OB didn't really know anything about progesterone. She said she couldn't give me an answer that to just I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. If I wanted to come off of it, I could. If I wanted to stay on it, I could. So I didn't really have any guidance on that. So I actually started to, at the 11 and a half week mark, wean myself off and take it like every other day until I was like completely off it because I was so scared. But my fertility clinic said it was okay anywhere from 12 to 10 to 12 weeks. And I was pretty much at that 12 week mark. So I felt comfortable doing that. Um, we announced on social media at the 12 week mark, which we didn't do with my daughter. We like, I think we just wanted to keep her since she was our first, like a secret as long as we could, just because I don't know everything we had been through. Um, but with this one, you know, there was no reason to think that anything could go wrong, but um, 
So we announced at the 12 week mark um, at about 13 and a half weeks, I went to the bathroom and anybody who has been through fertility treatment, you always look after you go to the bathroom. I don't know why, it's just something that like is a habit. I don't know if it's that fear of always have, believing that something could be wrong, but I saw the tiniest speck of red. Like I literally had to like look at it and search for it. Like it was the tiniest speck of red. So I called my OB and I was just like, hey, I, ha I have like this speck of red after going to the bathroom. It's bright pink. Um, she was like, well, I'm not really concerned about it, but let's bring you in since you went through fertility treatment. She's like, I think your cervix would just be irritated. Did you have intercourse recently? Something like that. Like, I think that's just it, but let's bring you in. Well, the only place I could go was 45 minutes away from my house. So my husband was on a job site and I had my daughter. Luckily, my mom was home. So I called my mom and I was like, hey, can you watch my daughter? While I go get checked, they, you know, they don't think anything's wrong. They think my cervix is just irritated, but um, I just would feel better seeing the baby. I was actually excited because I would get to see, you know, the baby moving or hear the heartbeat. Um, so she was like, yeah, I dropped off at my mom's. I drove 45 minutes to get to the office. Um, I remember going in and I wasn't nervous at all. Like I, I just thought, you know, I'm going to get to see or hear the baby. So I went in and they did a cervix check on me first. Um, she couldn't find any bleeding. The cervix was closed. Everything looked great. She said there was a little bit of irritation that she thinks that that might have um, caused the little drip of blood. Um, so she's like, we're going to do the Doppler. So she pulled out the Doppler and she tried for five minutes and couldn't find the heartbeat. And that is when my heart sank. I just knew something was wrong because I, they already found the heartbeat when I went last time to my OB. They, I never had an issue with Mila. She, we found her at like nine weeks, same as the last baby. Um, she kept telling me that it's normal that the baby could just be really low or positioned differently, but she wants to send me up to, for an ultrasound that's upstairs, like right now. So I called my husband and he's like, I'm, I'm on my way, I'm gonna get there. And I was like, there's no way you can get here. We're 45 minutes away. It's literally upstairs. She wants me to go right now. There's no possible way you can make it. And he's like, okay, just keep me posted. So I go up in the waiting room and I'm just bawling because I know at this point, like, it's not looking good, even though we were supposed to be in that quote unquote safe zone. Um, so I remember this pregnant girl walking out and she was thanking the ultrasound technician because they couldn't find the heartbeat downstairs. 
and that they sent her up for the ultrasound and I'm like okay this is a sign like this is my sign like she's okay this is like the same thing that's going to happen to me so the technician pulled me in and I kept trying to ask her like all these questions like just because I was so nervous like is this normal like in between like bawling is it normal is it like is this okay? And she's like, yeah, this happens all the time. She, you know, the girl who just left, this happened to her. She's like, let's just check on baby. As soon as she put it on my abdomen, I, the baby wasn't moving. And I just had an ultrasound probably two weeks before that, where the baby was yawning and moving around. And now they're just, you can see the baby, but nothing, they're not moving. And I just went numb and I kept asking her, is, is the baby okay? Like, are they okay? Because we weren't going to find out the gender either with this baby. So I didn't even know if it was a girl or if it was a boy, but I just kept asking, like, is she, are they okay? And she wouldn't answer me. And she was like, um, I'm not sure. And she was just very like, harsh and I just sat there for 10 minutes while she said that she needed to do what she needed to do and she wouldn't give me an answer even though I knew the baby was not there I couldn't see the heartbeat when she tried to do it and after you know probably about 10 minutes of her getting everything that she needed to she just looked at me and said I'm sorry but your baby has passed, there's no heartbeat. And I just remember going like numb and being an autopilot. Like I couldn't even fathom that this was happening to me and this was happening to me while I was by myself and nobody could get to me. My aunt lived about five minutes away. I almost called her numerous times, but to like come just sit with me because they um, wanted me to go back downstairs and I just wish the ultrasound technician like not that I just wish there was better training I guess for like when that happens to be more compassionate especially like when you're by yourself and you don't have anyone that's you know around you and you just found out that you're supposed to be in the safe zone and the baby had stopped um but she sent me downstairs and was like they're gonna go over your options with you and my body just went into autopilot at that point um thank god for the nurse she came in and was like is there anything I can get you she's like do you want a blanket do you want water she's like what do you need I'm like no I'm okay and she's like, okay, the nurse practitioner is going to come in and talk to you about your options. Um, so she came in and she said, she called it a miss miscarriage. So yes, I was 13 and a half weeks, but the baby had already passed and my body did not, I guess it was about a week and a half, almost two weeks prior. So my body did not recognize that the baby had stopped growing. I was carrying a baby who had passed inside of me, not even knowing that they had passed. Um, so she said, 
there's three options for you. One is um, you could let it happen naturally. She said, I don't recommend that though, because obviously, you know, you've gone, uh, you know, almost the two weeks of not um, your body not responding like how it should. And she said, your second option is taking a pill. Um, Mistropol, I think it is. Misoprostol. Yes, that's it. That one I can say. Yeah. <laughs> um, she said, I don't recommend that. It's, she said, it's not, a, it's, it's a lot. She said, it's a lot on your body. She said, with how far along you are, she's like, I really don't recommend that route. And I said, okay, what's my third option? And she said, I, I would really recommend that you get a DNC with how far along you are. And I said, okay, that's what I want to do then. She sat and held my hand and she looked at me and said, honey, I've been exactly where you are. I lost a baby exactly at your gas station where I was supposed to be in the safe zone too. And honestly, I, I thank God that she was the nurse practitioner who told me about everything and that I got to see her after because I don't know how I would have gotten through all of that without like her compassion. Um, and she just sat down with me and answered every single question I had about everything. Um, and this is bad, but the only question I asked was, when can I start trying again? Like that was my main focus all was when can I have another baby? Um, so she said that we would have to wait a cycle, but um, that she would try and get the DNC done, and, you know, within the next couple of days, because I just anxiety wise could not go around knowing that my baby was gone and I was carrying them inside of me. Um, so I went, I somehow drove the 45 minutes home and told my husband and he was there waiting for me and um, our parents are close, so his mom actually went over to my parents' house with our daughter just so they could all be together. Um, they didn't know what to do for us, so I went and picked him up and got to my parents' house, um, and then I got a call from the doctor who was supposed to do my surgery. Um, they said that they could get me in two days, in two days. Um, he said he did not feel comfortable doing the surgery because I was past the 12 week mark and that the baby's bone structure is a little bit more um, fully developed at that gestational age so that I would have to go see a specialist. And I just broke down because I just wanted this over with. Like I just did not want to have to deal with it anymore. And um, they all got it figured out. Luckily, they called me the next day and they said, um, no, we'll, we'll actually do it. We'll just, you know, monitor you more. So I was able to get it done on that Thursday. Um, I went into the same hospital that I had my daughter in. And I think that was one of the hardest things is I was going into 
lose a baby. I wasn't going in to bring a baby home. And that hit me really hard. Um, so I went in um, and I'm very mad at myself because the doctor talked us out of doing um, genetic testing, even with how far along we were. Um, she said that it's an expensive test. It was our quote unquote first miscarriage because they don't believe that chemicals are, um, what, how does she phrase it? She said something along the lines that a chemical, they don't have um, like a beta test or an ultrasound. Like clinical acknowledgement is sometimes how they put it. Yes, yes, that's exactly, yeah. Which I would also like to add that that is not accurate or up-to-date information and that chemical pregnancies are actual miscarriages. Um, so I just wanted to get that in there for anybody listening who may have also experienced chemical pregnancy, but also I know I've, I've told you that before, but that a chemical pregnancy is a miscarriage. So they were wrong and I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah, they just, she was like, we don't, I guess, count that, but, um, which I think is ridiculous, but, um, so she talked us out of getting, um, the genetic testing done, um, which I'm again, so mad at myself for listening to her about, but, um, the DNC went well. Um, I, bled for about 10 days after. Um, I did pass like a pad size clot. It literally felt like I had something pop out of me. And I wish they would have talked about that. Like that is a possibility that could happen because it freaked me out. My poor mother-in-law was over eating dinner with us. And I was like, you need to come see this. Like, this is freaking me out. Like, and she was like, yeah, that's pretty big. Like, we didn't know what to do. I called my doctor. They weren't concerned about it, which is crazy to me because it literally took up my whole pad. Like, I just don't know how that's common and that they, nobody talks to you about that and that that's things that can happen. Um, it's a super uh, common experience with DNCs and nobody prepares you for it. Um, I... I had that with a, a DNC after my miscarriage started at home. I've heard hundreds of people say that they've, they've had that. It's usually like, um, it's usually like three to five days after a DNC is whenever it happens. I've heard, I have heard like two weeks, like the bleeding picks up again and that's happened. I want to say mine was probably within a couple of days of it happening because I was still lying on the couch with like the heating pad on it just thank god my mother-in-law was there because she's like yeah I don't think that's normal but like I don't know what to do or like tell you <laughs> well and it's kind of whenever you gave birth to your daughter and you were postpartum from that birth did you have a similar experience of oh passing? Yes. so that's yes. see I didn't know it was normal until I had my first living son and whenever I was postpartum from a vaginal delivery, uh, that happened. And it was like, I was diagnosed with PTSD and had a complete like triggered moment because I had no idea that after you give birth, it looks so similar to a miscarriage. Um, um, so 
Yeah. So, so that, that bleeding, nobody tells you about it in any sense. And it's really shocking. No, like, yeah, they didn't even, so they said to look, they did tell me when I had my daughter to look out for like, if you get a big size clot, I had like a golf ball with her. So they weren't concerned because it wasn't like big enough. Yeah. This one was just like my whole pad. Like it was insane. And yeah, nobody like tells you that that's like stuff that can happen. Yeah. Or like, you don't think that something that big can come out of you after you've had a DNC where something that big was supposed to be removed. Like it's kind of confusing to where you're like, did they do what they need to do? Like, is there a problem here? You know, you start to kind of panic a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You get nervous. Like, is there still, you know, you hear tissue left over or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, overall the DNC was, um, physically easier than it was mentally. Um, mentally I was just focused on having another kid. Like that was what was getting me through. Um, I got my first tattoo to honor the baby. Um, I got a, a big heart and then a little heart above it because a piece of my heart went with that baby um so I always wanted to have something that just we never found out the gender of that baby because we didn't do the genetic testing and I have a lot of regret over that um because we would have with how far along we were we could have figured out um what they were but um so I got a tattoo and my focus was just on when can we get pregnant again? So I had um, a couple cycles where I just wanted to like try and heal a little bit mentally. And we got pregnant in um, May, it was May, our IUI, we found out worked. It was our first one. Um, after losing the, the last baby and um, this pregnancy was different. I had panic attacks daily. I had this overwhelming fear of something was going to happen again and I couldn't do it. I um, ended up in the ER three times for hyperemesis. I get really bad morning sickness, but this morning sickness took it to a whole another level. Um, my numbers, again, the fertility clinic just threw you out. So um, my numbers are rising appropriately at that point um, until I went into the hospital at six weeks because I needed IV fluids because I was so dehydrated from um I think just the anxiety honestly with the morning sickness I couldn't eat or drink anything um so they did an ultrasound there they found a gestational sac and a yolk sac so um everything was looking okay um I was still a little bit too early to see the heartbeat so they were going to bring me back in a week, um, pump me with IV fluids, give me some um, nausea medicine through the IV. And then um, they sent me home. 
And then I went back into the ER a couple of days after because again, I wasn't holding anything down and I was really dehydrated again. My numbers weren't doubling like they should, but they were rising for appropriately, they said. Um, the OB there told me I should be cautiously optimistic. And I now hate that phrase. I just, that is one phrase that I will never get out of my head. But she said just to be cautiously optimistic. And um, I actually ended up getting admitted because I was so dehydrated. Um, they gave me some potassium and magnesium and they were talking about possibly putting in a pick line for nutrients if I couldn't start um, getting turned around with the nausea medicine. So I was on Zofran, um, which I felt guilty every time I took it. I was so sick with my daughter and I felt guilty every time I took it with her. Like I just, the guilt I think gets me to not want to take it, but um, I had to because I now had a two-year-old who I had to take care of. And um, But so I started taking the nausea medicine and um, I just still couldn't get over like that anxiety, nausea, fear of everything. Like I just was having the panic attacks every day and just that fear that, you know, something bad was going to happen to me again. And um, we actually had an ultrasound at seven weeks. Um, coincidentally, it was one of my friends who <laughs> gave it to us, which was kind of <laughs> crazy. She was giving us an internal ultrasound, but um, it was at the same exact place, the 45 minute drive, which not the OB office I go to normally, where they had told me that the baby had passed away. Um, so I told my husband, you need to come with me. I cannot do this again alone. So he came with me. We dropped my daughter off at my parents' house. And I was just so relieved that it was a familiar face this time doing the ultrasound. So if I get bad news, it's, it's a friend who, you know, I have people there. Um, I was shocked to find out the baby had a heartbeat of 113. Baby looked good. Um, I get subchronic hematomas as well with all my pregnancies. So um, I did have a subchronic hematoma with this pregnancy as well. Um, so they were a little, you know, they always watch out for that. Luckily with my daughter, it um, was gone by the 20 week mark. Um, but this one, the gestational sac wasn't growing as well as the yolk sac. So um, they, the gestational sac was measuring a little bit behind. So everything I Googled, um, that pretty much led, um, you kind of get, you're more likely to have a miscarriage is what everything that I've read. I asked my friend, I was like, what does this mean? Should I be this worried about it? And she's like, no, um, you shouldn't like, you know, just let's kind of wait and see what happens. So I had a little bit of hope then. Um, so I 
a couple of days passed and I finally had, it was like eight weeks and I finally had my first OB appointment. Um, I, I was so nervous going in, but he sat me down and he held my hand because of everything that we went through. He is the most compassionate doctor ever. He said, listen, after I know what you just went through in February, and I know that that was very hard and losing a baby at that gestational age is, you know, it's not that common that far along. Um, it does happen. Yes. But um, he said, and having it back to back, your chances are very low and of, of losing another baby. And he said that you have a 10% chance of miscarrying after hearing the heartbeat. So I held on to that 10% of, okay, I heard the heartbeat. I'm okay. Like, okay, maybe last time was just like, you know, just, I don't know. It just wasn't in God's plan or I don't know. But um, so I tried to hold on to that hope. Um, he was going to do an, another ultrasound in two weeks. Um, so I left that office visit, like just being able to breathe and like finally be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to miscarry again. Maybe this is just in my head and this isn't an intuition. And it really is just morning sickness. And they kept telling me that the morning sickness is like a great thing to have that, you know, this is all good. I, even with my last pregnancy, I, that I lost, I remember the doctor looked at me and was like, did you notice your symptoms disappear? And I was like, no, I threw up on the way here. Like I, I was, and you just felt like, I just found out the baby had, you know, passed away like a week or two before and I'm still throwing up so no like I don't know if I believe that and then they were like well you're not bleeding so you know these are all good things okay I wasn't I my body never bled with the other baby either like that I lost I I just I don't know I kept questioning everything even when they were trying to be hopeful, but I did leave that office like feeling like, okay, like maybe I just need to like, just stop overthinking about everything and just kind of breathe and just like, I don't know, take it one day at a time. And um, I was talking to my dad on the way home and I hit a deer, I crushed this deer. This was the first time that I've hit anything since I almost died when I was 21. Um, it brought me so much PTSD. So I just wanted to check on the baby. Like that was my main focus. Um, so I went home and went to bed and I just couldn't get out the fear of like, I want to check on the baby. I want to make sure everything's okay. Like, I don't know. I just, so a couple of days passed and I finally convinced my mom to take me to the ER to go get checked out because um, they, the OBs were closed. It was um, by that time, it was a weekend. So I was like, I don't know why I didn't just 
do it earlier, but I just, I need to go right now. I, like I need to check on the baby. So I went and my mom took me, um, I was also dehydrated again. So they gave me more heavy fluids. Um, she said, okay, since you were in the car accident, let's check on the baby and send you for an ultrasound. And I said, um, there is no way I'm going to get an ultrasound unless my mom comes with me. Like I cannot go by myself. I know it's hospital, you know, policy, but I bet she just please come with me. Like I cannot be. Part of me thought that if she was with me, I wouldn't get bad news because then someone's with me. Like I got the bad news when I was by myself. If someone's with me, then, you know, almost nothing bad can happen. Um, so they finally let her come in with me. And this ultrasound technician was just so sweet. Um, I'm shaking because, you know, I literally four months prior, I had just found out, you know, the baby had stopped. Um, the heartbeat was no longer there, but so I'm shaking and she does an abdomen one. And she says that, um, you know, honey, I don't think you're going to get the results that you are hoping for. And I looked at my mom and she just starts crying and I'm like, okay, like, okay. And so she did the internal ultrasound and she wouldn't let me look at the screen. So I knew I, you, you can just read ultrasound text faces now, like when you've been through that, that like, you just know, as soon as they look, you just can see it on their face. I'm sure that they are trying to hide it, but you can just tell. And um, I knew the baby had passed away and she went and said, um, the baby no longer has a heartbeat. I'm so sorry. Um, they actually stopped growing um, a couple of days ago. So again, I had a missed miscarriage from where my body didn't recognize that um, they had passed. Um, so my mom is bawling and I'm actually confronting her, comforting her. And I'm like, mom, it's okay. I knew this from, you know, I had this really bad feeling from the beginning. I knew from the betas, you know, not rising appropriately that that wasn't a good sign, the gestational sac not growing to where, you know, um, being behind a couple days was not a good sign. So I just, in a way, as bad as this is really gonna sound, like I felt a relief of like knowing that like going back and forth of is the baby okay, is the baby not okay? Like it was just, like over in a way um I looked at my mom and I just said it's okay and I felt so bad because she was I was just so numb at that point like I just could not believe that this was happening again um the ultrasound technician looked at me and she said no honey it's not okay this sucks and you're allowed to cry and you were allowed to be angry and mad and sad and do whatever you need to do but no this sucks and I'm like you're right it does suck like I can't believe this is like happening to me again um so 
I was having such bad panic attacks after that, that they gave me some Ativan in the hospital. Um, because again, I was going to have to walk around with a baby who had passed away. Um, again, for a couple days, I was very adamant about getting a DNC again, because I wanted to um, get the genetic testing done this time. So I was very, nope, this is what I'm doing. Um, so we got the DNC done. Um, they gave me some um, prescription medications to come home with just because I just, my anxiety was just so bad of having to go through another surgery and just losing two babies in four months. Like I just, I think like I was having like a mental breakdown. Um, and so they scheduled the DNC for a couple days later. Again, we were walking into the same hospital where we had the last DNC where I delivered my daughter. And of course the OB who was doing it was pregnant. So I just started crying. Um, it's definitely not her fault, you know, at all, but it really hit me that, you know, she's pregnant and I'm here to lose another baby in a way deliver another baby because to me that is what a miscarriage is you are delivering a baby no matter how you do it they have to come out um but again I wasn't bringing this baby home with me um so the DNC seemed to go well um I didn't have any bleeding at all after the DNC so the doctors thought that that was very strange. So they were very concerned that I had leftover um, placenta or tissue or remnants or whatever um, still in there. So they sent me for another ultrasound. Again, I had to wait a couple of days for the results of that because it was on a weekend and the doctor had to read it. So I was waiting all weekend to see if, you know, I still had leftover tissue inside of me. Um, I didn't, I had a lot of clots, um, but not, um, I guess, fetal tissue is what they say. Um, but I went back to the same doctor who had told me that, you know, you have sat with me and gave me some of that hope, my last miscarriage. And he said that, um, you know, you guys have unexplained infertility, which honestly, I believe unexplained infertility is just, they can't find out what's wrong with you. So this is what I'm going to tell you it is. So I've always kind of thought that that diagnosis has been, I don't know, a cop out in a way. Um, so he was like, I'm going to send you to maternal fetal medicine. He said, normally we do it with three losses, but you've had, you know, one second trimester loss, you've had, and then one, you know, within four months, and you had that chemical, he said, I'm going to send you. So maternal fetal medicine did um, all the testing, everything came back, they kind of were really rude and just shoved me aside and was like, there's nothing I can do for you. 
Um, so I was like, okay. At that point, I was so tired of doctors telling me that this is common, that this is just, you have to go through this to have another baby, just keep trying. I'm like, I can't keep trying to just keep losing babies. Mentally, it is going to destroy me. I'm already having a really hard time now as it is. Like, I just, I don't want to start trying again until like I figure out what's going on. So I joined this recurrent pregnancy loss group on Facebook and they had so much information. They recommended I go see a hematologist. Um, so the hematologist did some um, testing that um, could cause miscarriages. They found out I have this rare blood clotting disorder that is called 4G5, PAI14G5G, that could possibly cause miscarriages. Um, and that I have a, another one, it's like a mutation, um, gene mutation of factor five. They aren't sure if those caused the miscarriages. I'll never know because there wasn't enough fetal tissue on the second baby with the DNC to even test. So we don't know what happened to either of our pregnancies. Um, I had a doctor tell me it was nature's way of just not having that baby come into the world because something chromosome or abnormal was abnormally wrong with them. I wanted to throw up when they told me that because like to me, you're just like, I don't know. It's like, you're not like that was my baby. And you're like, that baby was very much wanted. Um, so yeah, they, they aren't sure what caused my miscarriages, but um, we are now on Lovenop shots twice a day um, while we are trying to conceive because they aren't sure. They think that most blood clotting happens at conception. Um, we just did our first IUI. Um, unfortunately, we found out on New Year's Eve that that failed. So we are in the process of, you know, picking ourselves back up and trying another one. Um, I hate, I don't know if I hate, but I had one of my friends say, um, just wait until you get your rainbow baby. It'll all make sense then. And I don't know if that phrase is the best for me because I never got my rainbow baby. Like I've had, you know, the rainbow baby I was supposed to have passed away too. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping we'll get, you know, our baby someday. And I'm hoping the Lovenop shots will be the answer to it but I don't know you're definitely not alone in the thought about the term rainbow baby and I think for me personally I clung to the word because I was like looking for anything that would give me hope that I would bring a child into the world alive but I would be very specific and I would always say double rainbow because I wanted to honor the babies that 
did not like come earth side, but I still, I, I don't know. I felt like I didn't know I had a choice not to feel like I related to the term, which sounds so silly. Um, but I feel like so many people relate to that. And I, I mean, my whole, my whole thing here was created because it still is confusing. It doesn't make sense when I do have my quote unquote double rainbow baby. Like I'm still grieving. I still I've had trauma and loss. And, and so it shows that it doesn't erase that, you know, it doesn't, I like to say babies don't replace babies. Um, like a baby that's alive doesn't replace the babies that you've lost. And I don't think people understand that, that haven't gone through it. Yeah. Like, I don't think I was talking to my husband about this the other day. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to enjoy a pregnancy. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be like, okay, yes, like, I'm, I'm so excited to be pregnant. And, you know, because a positive pregnancy test doesn't bring home a baby either. Like, yeah. I, I just, unfortunately, like, I don't know, unless you've gone through that, you, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I feel like after loss, especially after so much loss, you start to realize that a positive pregnancy test doesn't equal a baby at the end or a baby in your arms. I'm not sure the better way to word that. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so I, I know like in our support groups, we talk about this a lot where we see pregnancy announcements and people holding up their pregnancy test in photos. And we're like, um, that doesn't mean what you think it means. And it's a morbid way of thinking, but like it's reality after loss. Pregnancy is forever different. Mm -hmm. yeah. It sucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially like we were quote unquote in that safe zone. Like we were supposed right. to be in the zone where it was like, okay, to tell everybody. And we still lost that baby. I don't, I don't know, but I do believe that every baby should be celebrated. So I think that, I don't know if it helps people to um, share or tell them that six weeks, five weeks, you know, announce it then. Like, I think that's great. But I think me personally, I don't know if I will tell anyone until like, I don't know, I'm leaving the hospital is how I feel at this point, just because I'm so nervous. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And, and to clarify that, um, I think that pregnancy announcements, like waiting until a certain point, I think is silly because I agree, yeah. like tell whenever you want to tell. Um, I just meant like, whenever you see the pregnancy test, it's like triggering because you see a pregnancy test and you're like, oh, that doesn't necessarily mean that a baby's coming. And that's like oh. the morbid thought, not, not them sharing. I wanted to clarify, cause I don't want anybody thinking that I'm telling you, you can't announce a pregnancy I've always shared from the moment that I was pregnant um yeah I'm I'm kind of the same way where I'm like screw safe zones they aren't safe yeah. for everybody so share what you want to share yeah that's how yeah that's how I feel there's no there's no safe zone I mean stuff Which can happen scary. at any point it's very scary yeah so I guess with when we do get pregnant next, we're going to be under maternal fetal medicines care, especially because of the low knock shots. So I think having a little bit more monitoring will help with that, but like with my anxiety wise, but I still don't think, 
I'm ever going to feel safe in a pregnancy again. I think, unfortunately, loss has taken away that and infertility has taken away the joy of even trying. Yeah. I, I totally relate. And I know that people are nodding their heads along with, with a lot of things that you've gone through. Um, I'm so sorry for, for your losses. I'm sorry that your recent cycle ended with a negative pregnancy test. And I hope that future cycle that whenever you start that, that, that that's where you get a positive and, you know, being under different care, being on new medications, um, there's some hope there that that's, that's what makes the big difference. That's what I'm hoping. We switched fertility clinics just because the whole throw you out after a pregnancy positive or positive pregnancy test. All the doctors I've talked to were like, that's just crazy. We can't believe that. Yeah. You know, they do that. Yeah, no, that is crazy. Uh, I don't know if I've heard of that myself. Mm -hmm. And ever since COVID, it just, they were like, nope, if you have a positive, your OB can take care of you. And my new fertility clinics, like, you know, ectopic pregnancies or, um, you know, you have a higher chance when you go through fertility treatment. So that's why they do that ultrasound to make sure that everything you know, the baby is where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm glad that you switched. I'm a big fan of like <laughs> switching doctors when a doctor sucks. <laughs> Me too. I think that's like the biggest lesson I feel like I've learned in all of this is advocating for yourself. Like I push for the progesterone. I put my husband he makes fun of me because he's like, you're just wanting answers. You're going through every doctor and every blood test you can possibly get. And I'm like, yeah, but look, they found like, I have these rare blooding, blood clotting disorders. Like, I'm so glad that I wasn't okay with just that. This is normal. This is just what you have to go through. Yes. Miscarriage is common. Unfortunately, I don't think it's talked about enough, but I think that, I don't know. I just felt there was something more wrong. Yeah. Common doesn't mean normal. And I wish that doctors would stop mm -hmm. saying common and try to play it off as like, because it's common, this is supposed to happen. Everybody goes through it. Like I, I kind of compare it to cancer. Cancer is very common, but it is quite literally an abnormal growth of cells. That's not supposed to happen to your body. Like mm -hmm. so so I feel like normal and common get mixed up a lot by our medical providers and it's really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I just I truly feel that there's always something. Like I said earlier with the unexplained. Like right. there's just a reason and there's reasons why the two babies and the chemical that I have lost like something happened will I ever find out if it was COVID or stopping the progesterone um, suppositories I don't know do I blame myself every day for it yes but will I ever know what truly happened no yeah well, I can I can definitely tell you firsthand here that it is not and it is not your fault whatsoever that you are not a medical professional and you know and you're not, you don't know what you don't know. And we can only control so many things. Um, but I, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I still think back on my own losses and I'm like, 
oh, I skipped my prenatals one day. What if that did it? Which I know it didn't, but I, I think that that's just a part of grief too, is, is trying to write off the reason why it happened. That way you can not do that thing again. And um, when you don't have a direct answer, it's, it's hard to let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nicole, thank you so much for, for joining and for sharing your story. And like I tell everybody else who's in the thick of their uh, loss journey and trying to conceive after loss, you are welcome back at any time to give an update. I hope it's only happy updates, but we mm-hmm. are we are here to hear from you if you um, have anything new to share with us. So please come back and let us know how things are going. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously, thank you for all you've done. I like I said, last year, I wouldn't have gotten through a lot of this stuff and having all, being able to kind of know what the process was going to be like of miscarrying before, you know, those couple of days listening to other people's stories really made me not feel alone. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's all the people who come on and share that uh, I know I'm thankful for. And so I'm, I'm happy I could use the platform. To, to spread stories that way we can learn from actual experiences instead of just text in a book. Yeah.